Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the Version Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And as usual, if you have any questions that you would like to have answered as we uh, process through and talk through this reading plan, or even in some of our conversations, uh, we would love to take some time to answer those questions. We do a special podcast the last Friday of every month uh, to answer some of those questions. So uh, be prepared because there is one drop in here very soon. So uh, please send them in. You can send in info at grove.church, or you can direct message our Facebook page, The Grove Church, here in Marysville and Snohomish. Um, quick disclaimer for this episode, if you're wondering why my voice sounds a little bit more gravelly. He's wearing more, a voice modifier. That is also true. Uh, no, Shame. I'm just a little bit under the weather today. So uh, When are you not under the weather? Ever? Well, there was like a two-week period where the cough had gone away, but now this is a cold. So uh, nothing too bad. I'm just going to be riding the cough button today. So you might hear it like faint in the background, but hopefully it's... Uh, not through my mic, so we'll see we'll how it goes. Uh, okay, today we actually had, um, speaking of sending in your questions, we had someone send in a suggestion that said, um, basically, and I quote, hey, when you get to Lamentations, you should play this game called Lamentations or Taylor Swift. And I had no idea what this was. Um, Shout out to Taylor. But I have printed out uh, different quotes. Can you hear the Some paper? of them. There it is. It's right here. Uh, some of them are from Taylor Swift songs, and some of them are from the Book of Lamentations. Now, just to be clear... I have not read the Book of Lamentations ahead of time, just the, so you know. There is that, and also this is the uh, this is the message version, So, because if it was like King James, it'd be a little bit too Which obvious. is not a bad version, it's just a paraphrase. Paraphrase, it's a little bit more in like hyper-modern English, and so you can actually get it to fit in. So I'm just going to read a few of these, I'm not going to go through all, I think there's 20 of them on here, but cover up the answers. Here That'll so be our entire podcast, 20 of them. All right, here we go. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. Is that from the Book of Lamentations, or is that a Taylor Swift song? I want to say Jeremiah, a book from Lamentations. That is Lamentations. Yeah, Good work. I'm all a right. genius. You're one out of five correct right now. 20%. I all just right. need to pass. I don't need to fail. Number two, have you ever seen anything like this? Ever seen pain like my pain? Seen what he did to me? Was that Lamentations or was that a Taylor Swift song? Taylor Swift. That was actually Lamentations. That see is, what he did to me. That see what me he off. did to me. Now I'm curious. I'm going to have to read that verse. So there you go. Uh, it doesn't say what verse. Cheaters. There you go. Oh, so it could be. Oh, uh, wait. It's me- message. That's what I got to remember. It's the message. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number One for two. two. It rains when you're here and it rains when you're gone. Is that Lamentations or Taylor Swift? You're one in one right now. It rains when you're here, and it rains when you're gone. Taylor Swift. That is Taylor Swift. Good work. Yes. All right. One and two. Woo. I'm two and one, bro. Two and one. All right. Here we go. Long were the nights when my days once revolved around you. Long were the nights when my days first revolved. Once or first? Now you're confusing me. Sorry. Once revolved around you. My bad. I was looking at the answers. and I Lamentations. That is... Taylor Swift. Dang it. All right. Two and two. All right. And now for the final one, I'm going to find like a really good one here. Oh, here it is. That's that's sound, that was a stalling sound effect. I know. This is great radio right now. I just want to find the best one that we can possibly find. Let's see here. He didn't think I'd do this good. That's why he's trying to find a better one. It's true. He okay. thought I'd miss them all. 
All right, here we go. The problem is you don't realize that I've been spending like the last eight months of my life studying the book of Jeremiah. So I, I kind of know, you know what he's all tone. about. You know what he's all about. All right. But I'm still two for two, so that doesn't really help. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we go. You'll find out what it's like to get drunk and wake up with nothing. You'll find out what it's hmm. like to get drunk. That's a good one, bro. And see, I figured like that's one where you, it could go either way. Um, you'll find out. Hmm. Can I pull? Can I call a friend? Do I get lifelines? I mean, I'm you, just kidding. You uh, pull up your phone. Let's do Lamentations. That is, yep, the Book of Lamentations. Boom. Good work. I'm All amazing. right. So three and two is your final record. Uh, I would encourage you at home. Uh, look up the game, play and, it. It's then, pretty fun. And then find out, and then send us in your results. Uh, we did five of the questions, and I, I'm, I'm above average. So. Yeah, there's a total of fifteen on the one I printed take out. It. So, but obviously, we didn't want to take up all of your time with our with our silly game. They probably so. wanted us to, but so there you go. Shout Let's out talk to, about the Bible. Shout out to Tim, no more Taylor Swift, friend of the podcast, for sending in that suggestion, and uh, Taylor Swift for enjoy allowing us to use her lyrics. There you go. Yeah, we so totally. I got her permission. We totally asked um, her beforehand. No, I didn't. I'm lying. All right, Sorry. so uh, with that being said, we're actually going to jump into uh, the book of Lamentations. We're going to intro it a little bit. Um, a shorter book, um, that definitely shorter than Isaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the other books that we've been going through. Um, but it's a really it's a really powerful book. Also really sad, I would say, if you had to pick out... tissues. Thank you. Um, I would say if you had to pick out what is the saddest book in the Bible, um, Lamentations is probably there. Um, and so... Just to kind of come come from it, it's a book of laments, and what a lament is, it's it's kind of a um, it's a poem expressing sadness. So, um, I guess like our equivalent today is like think of really sad songs that are just about like you know think of Taylor Swift songs <laughs> that are about breaking. I was up, totally thinking whatever that. it is. Uh, um, Adele, listen, "Shake It Off" is not a sad song. That's okay. true, um, but you know, yeah, basically all of these different poems are expressing sadness. That's mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Um, the book is pretty easy to break down because each chapter is actually its own separate lament. Um, so it, when you're reading it, it's not like, it's not really complicated, like kind of go through it. We're actually going to go through all five chapters today, um, just to kind of give you an idea of what they are. Uh, most likely this book is written by Jeremiah, although technically it's, uh, it is, uh, written anonymously, but kind of earliest tradition says Jeremiah, uh, there's not really a reason to, uh, to think otherwise, especially since really there's not been another author that's been put forward. Um, and certainly when you read Lamentations and the author talks about what he's been through, um, that that pretty well lines up with Jeremiah's life. So it's kind of just, that's where we land on it as well. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about the first five chapters here. So chapter one uh, compares Jerusalem to a grieving widow. Um, and so remember, this is right after Jerusalem is destroyed um, Jeremiah's faith is not faith in God is shaken, but I suppose he realizes now that, um, like we talked about uh, in the book of Ezekiel, that the glory of God has has left Jerusalem. He's no longer protecting it, uh, which we'll actually get into that with a separate lament. Um, and so this lament is basically talking about how the widow's friends have left her, and the comparison to the the widow is grieving, kind of like the nation of Israel is grieving over the loss of Jerusalem, the widow is grieving over the loss of her husband, and then it talks about how her friends all desert her and leave her, um, and this is clearly kind of meant to, to echo um, the alliances that Judah had, that after Jerusalem burns, all of these different allies that they had had, the people that they had relied on, the people that they, they had trusted instead of trusting in God, all of them leave them. Uh, all of them leave the Israelites. And so that's kind of what it's lamenting. Chapter two uh, is God is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. 
Um, and this lament really expresses, uh, and this one's almost, I, I would say, kind of the most depressing, <laughs> maybe four, but uh, it... Which the title is deceptive. Yeah, the Lord is a warrior, but it's talking about how it's so sad that our warrior God went from protecting Jerusalem uh, to actively destroying it. Um, and kind of like, you can say, like, does he allow Jerusalem to be destroyed? But even like when you go to Habakkuk and places like that, you know, he actively says, I am raising up the Chaldeans for this. And so um, clearly this is according to God's plan, it's happening. And it's kind of lamenting how um, God is no longer the protector of Jerusalem, but now has allowed it to be destroyed. Um, chapter three is kind of the one upbeat uh, lament, if you will. This lament uh, expresses how sad it is that God went. Oh, sorry, reading the wrong thing. Uh, this one expresses the suffering uh, that the people are going through. Um, but at the end, it ends with how God is still faithful in the pain. Uh, it's a lament, but it does pre- it, it, it presents the suffering of the people, mm-hmm. but it also offers hope at the end, which is great. Uh, chapter four, which is also super sad, uh, the scattered stones. Um, this lament contrasts the glory of Jerusalem in the past and how it has now been broken and the siege stones uh, and the stones of the city lie scattered, uh, particularly the stones of the temple. It's been broken down. And I think one of the things I thought was interesting is um, – I can't remember if this is in my my book or if it was in my commentary, but it was either in the ESV Study Bible Commentary, which is a great commentary, or um, the Old Testament, a survey. And I can't remember the authors. I'll say it next week because that's a book I've been using a lot for the Old Testament stuff. But it was my textbook in Bible College, so it works out pretty well. You know, you know. Um, But they were talking about how uh, the important thing to remember when they're talking about how the stones are scattered and it's, it's depressing is how ugly siege warfare was. And so to, to think about what happened in Jerusalem, remember that it's a city on a hill, um, it's doing pretty well, and then it is surrounded by armies. So there's no food that's getting in or out. And so they're talking about, um, it's not explicitly stated in the Bible, I don't believe, but um, it was very common when cities were sieged like that, that people would completely run out of food, they'd have to resort to cannibalism, there'd be some ugly things. Um, and so it's seeing not just the physical ruin of Jerusalem, but also kind of the emotional ruin that would happen with the people. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, like there's just talking about the stones of the temple, the stones of the wall, all of these great things that were built by really the great kings of Israel, right? Like David, Solomon, all of these, uh, these mighty kings, Hezekiah with the tunnels and all these different, all these different things. Um, all of a sudden the glory of Jerusalem is gone. Um, so yeah, sad. And then, uh, chapter five is a prayer for restoration. Uh, this lament expresses grief for how Israel's relationship with God has deteriorated, and it asks God to bring them back into relationship with Him. So it's a little bit more of a hopeful lament. It's saying, you know, we were this, and now we're far apart. Um, but it's kind of like, a, I guess, if you want to compare it to a Taylor Swift song, it's just like, you know, the, I don't know what song it would be, but it's a song where uh, if you're expressing grief over the end of a relationship, but then you're also um, asking for that relationship to start back up again. So there you go. Um, and actually, I just wanted to read one passage from Lamentations that I think kind of uh, says what it's about really well. This is actually the final verses of Lamentations. So it's uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. I think it really uh, paints a picture of both the sadness and the hope that can be offered within the book. So in chapters or chapter 5, verses 16 through 22, it says this, The Lord has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. <coughs> for oh, sorry, I got one in the mouth. That was right in my ears, bro. Sorry, bro. Uh, and sorry to all of you at home. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. 
Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew us as days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And it's just a theme that we see in Lamentations over and over again, this idea that our relationship with God has been broken. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. But there's also hope for God, please restore us. And that's hope That's hope that's found in Isaiah, it's found in Jeremiah, it's found in Ezekiel. All these prophets, even though they have passages where they can be very depressing, um, it does remind us of God's unfailing love, his steadfast love for us and for the people of Israel. And I think it's important to remember, even when we're reading a really sad book like Lamentations, that there is hope that's offered. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 part of even as we haven't broke down the 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 book of Lamentations, this is this is why um early tradition assigns it to Jeremiah as the author um, because of the different conversations and the different times of uh, types of statements he makes. Uh, you see there's a correlation. You see there's a connection to the, to Jeremiah and what Jeremiah is actually saying too. So, um, but it, it can be a very depressing book. It can be a, be a very upsetting and sad, um, but it's, it's important because I think sorrow is a, is a part of life. It's a part of the journey we face. And I think many of us even listening to this podcast walk through sorrow and grief in, in a very a variety of ways. Uh, and it's not just like tragic grief, but it's also like simple grief where there's, we're let down by someone we care about, or uh, it's just important to realize that the hope that we have, and this is Jeremiah's point, and uh, even the author of Lamentations, if it's not Jeremiah, is that God is our ultimate source of hope. He, he, even in the midst of dire circumstance, even in the midst of his just, his justness, um, he he is the source of our hope and peace, and so um, I think it's it's a great time to to just remind remember that. Uh, especially, I mean, it's what Thanksgiving time right now. Uh, it's not Thanksgiving Day, but it's a time of the year where we can just pause and reflect that even in the midst of our sorrow and grief, like God is still faithful, God is still good, um, and He's still the source of our hope too. So. Um, the other thing that we're going to actually do, and I believe it's today, uh, as you're listening to this, is also the day that we officially, finally, uh, in its totality, wrap up the book of Jeremiah. Um, we've we've kind of jumped around a little bit with this book, and I know even Evan and I were talking about this a little bit before, uh, how uh, it actually has felt like we've wrapped up the book of Jeremiah two or three different times. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I think there's this... Um, the truth is we have to remember, and I think we we mentioned this a few weeks ago, um, that the Old Testament reading in this plan is a chronological reading, uh, and Jeremiah does not finish up his ministry until this point. It faked me out. It faked him out, dude. It juked him. It broke his ankles. Um, that's a sports reference. But... Uh, so we've we've been jumping around towards the end of Jeremiah, and remember, it's it, he shifts from a chronological time uh, piece to now topical, which is where he then addresses and there's there's topics that he hits on before the end of his ministry. And now we're coming to a point in chapter 44 where it's it is the official end of his ministry. And I'm gonna, I'm going to be a little bit honest with you: we don't know what happens to Jeremiah. We just know that he this now wraps up the end of his ministry. As I was reading um, in a commentary, and I referenced this a few weeks ago, um, chapter forty four is literally the end. Um, this is the there's continuation, but it's actually the end of his ministry. Uh, and so um, we we find that Jeremiah he ends up in Egypt with God's people. There's a point where, um, and because I cheated and I looked ahead, there's a question in our Q and A podcast that actually asks about this part of Jeremiah and his, his existence as far as being uh, exiled versus or 
released. And so we'll get to that in the Q&A podcast, so make sure you tune in for that. Um, but in essence, Jeremiah comes to a point where he he's with uh, God's people. They end up going to Egypt, even though they asked Jeremiah, is it good for us to do this? Can you ask God on our behalf? God responds to him, uh, no, it's not good. They need to stay uh, in this land because I will protect them, provide for them, and keep them alive. Um, and so he tells God's people, no, don't go to Egypt, and they totally reject and ignore him. Uh, they don't listen to him. They head to Egypt. He, uh, Jeremiah is taken with the remnant is what uh, is what the scripture refers to him as, which is like the remaining hope and the remaining group of people. Uh, they go into Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah speaks of judgment coming to Egypt the, and the people of God there. Uh, and we find out and we read in Jeremiah the, the chapter 44, 43, that the judgment is, it comes. Egypt is then um destroyed egypt is then attacked and i was trying to find that word uh and so we we get to this point where jeremiah at the end of his ministry um uh, in egypt with his people uh and like i said we don't have clarity on what happened to jeremiah after this rabbinic this is interesting rabbinic tradition holds that jeremiah was actually stoned by the jews in egypt he never came back to god's to, to, to jerusalem or judah or israel uh he actually tradition from the rabbinic uh group says that he was stoned by jews in egypt which kind of seems like and this can sound flippant i don't mean it to be like a fitting end to the ministry yeah. of jeremiah because it's just been like there's been a lot of grief mm-hmm. uh with his ministry well and it's i mean to the point like his ministry ended as it began i mean he started off with words of judgment which were largely ignored he ended with words of judgment that were, again were ignored. Yeah. Um, and so this is uh, the the passage I want to read is just two verses. It's towards it's towards the end of Jeremiah, and it literally is just the fulfillment of judgment that he declared because God's people ignored him. And it says this in verse twenty nine and thirty. It says, "This will be a sign to you. This is the Lord's declaration that I will punish you in this place." This is God or Jeremiah talking to God's people on behalf of God. And he says, so that you may know that my words of disaster concerning you will certainly come to pass. This is what the Lord says. I'm about to hand over Pharaoh Hophra, Egypt's king, to his enemies, to those who intend to take his life, just as I handed over Judah's king Zedekiah to Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar, who was his enemy, the one who intended to take his life. And we find in history and whatever that Egypt is then, uh, this Pharaoh is then handed over, his life is taken, and God's people are then therefore subject to punishment the interesting thing is too is is there is some indication that jeremiah was in along with the israelites was in egypt for quite some time because when they first came in they came to tathanes i believe uh but then at the point where jeremiah is talking this uh, in this passage and casting to uh, speaking the judgment that they're actually spread throughout i think it's lower egypt or northern egypt or one of the two along the nile well northern Um, and lower egypt are the same thing that's what i meant sorry i was Mixing turns. So um, it totally was. So there's just that 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 dynamic as well that it's it shows that they probably have been there for a while. And and if rabbinic history is true, um, that's where Jeremiah ends. And so this is the official end of Jeremiah, even though there's more chapters that we have already read. It's just kind of a clunky way to read Jeremiah. But there you go. That's my uh my bad for the official us it end. was the end a couple weeks ago. I got ago. you, bro. So this is the official end. No more Jeremiah. You're just carrying the podcast, bro. Only this uh, time. So going into uh, our next book is Obadiah, uh, which fun fact, Obadiah is actually the shortest book in the Old Testament. So there's a few in the New Testament that are shorter, although not by much, um, but Obadiah is the shortest one in the Old. Um, 
What's interesting is the book never really gives us much on who Obadiah is. Um, there's some different schools of thought as to when the book was written. So uh, a lot of tradition will say that this Obadiah is the same one who served in the court of King Ahab, um, which if you remember King Ahab, this would make Obadiah a uh, contemporary of Elijah and Elisha kind of in that period of time. Um However, we kind of land in a different time. Uh, the Bible reading plan that we're going through also lands on a different time, uh, but really just because of the similar themes to Isaiah um, and Lamentations and Ezekiel, um, I think this is probably better dated to around that time, uh, basically after the fall of Jerusalem and before uh, the fall of Edom, which, you know, spoilers happens. So Edom's not around anymore. So at some point it had to go. Uh, but that's kind of where we date it. Um, it's kind of more of an open-handed thing, but there you go. Um, and just remember, you know, obviously, just because there's one Obadiah mentioned somewhere in the Bible, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are the same one. There's, you know, people have different names. What? I know. Uh, although I was you not. Mean, I'm not the only Aaron? Yeah, there's a lot of Aaron's. <gasps> not as many Evans, although it's getting more popular, so who knows? It's coming around. Uh, anyway, so the book of Obadiah, like I kind of said before, is concerned with the judgment of Edom. Uh, so historically, Edom and Israel were at odds, which is kind of interesting because Edom, uh, those are the ancestors, not ancestors, uh, ancestors. those are the ancestors of Esau, so Jacob's brother. And obviously, Israel is the, uh, is the descendants of Jacob. So just like those brothers were at odds, and even though they reconciled at the end of their lives, they were at odds for most of their lives, um, their respective nations kind of mirror mm -hmm. that relationship, which um, is kind of sad in a way. So it is kind of a bummer. Um, but Edom, if you remember, when the Israelites are wandering, in the prom uh, wandering to get to the promised land, Edom doesn't let them through. They're kind of being jerks about that whole thing. Uh, there's been a few other instances where they kind of come up. And then um, we actually find out that they help to participate. Uh, I don't remember exactly how, but they helped to participate in the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And so Jerks. <coughs> when you're reading through Obadiah, Obadiah really is prophesying about what is going to happen to Edom. He's talking about the judgment of God. And it's just a helpful reminder for us that uh, even when God is punishing his own people, he's not forgetting about them. Yeah, that's good. That's a good reminder. Uh, the interesting thing to, or, uh, I think about Obadiah is it's so easy to glance over it and run through it pretty quickly. But I, I love that. I mean, even go back and and remember those things. And as you're reading through the book of Obadiah, be prepared for that. So uh, we're going to continue in Ezekiel uh, this week as well. Um, one of the th quick things I'll, know, I'll, I'll highlight real quick that we forgot to do at the beginning of this podcast is you're going to notice we're not highlighting any New Testament books in this podcast specifically because there's so many Old Testament True. highlights. Um, and we've spent time already earlier this year working through the New Testament. So we figured it was okay to take some time to focus on the Old Testament in this one podcast. Um, so if you're waiting for the New Testament books that we're going to highlight, uh, there's a reason why we haven't highlighted it just yet. So uh, be prepared for that. Um, Going back to Ezekiel for a minute, we're going to read just a couple chapters this week. Um, and what we're going to find is in Ezekiel chapter 33, there's kind of a shift in uh, what Ju or what Ezekiel has been speaking on and talking about. Um, the, he's been spending some time talking about uh, in regards to the four nations. It's called like the four nation oracles. In other words, these are prophetic words for the nations that are not Judah. Uh, and in chapter 33, he kind of takes the focus back and places it on Judah once more. Uh, and it, it, sh it in this, in the next, uh, I think it's 33 to 39, uh, you're going to find that the shift uh, happens to talk about the idea 
that the true source and and proper shape of life renewed is found in God. Uh, And it's not this like abrupt, quick turn. It's actually a gradual turning. Um, And he'll spend time revisiting the realities of life under judgment uh, while building toward the solid promises of a renewed and permanent relationship of life with God. And so it's just going to be this interesting dialogue. If you catch it, you'll kind of see this, the subtlety to his communication and what he's saying to Judah. Um, in, in chapter 33, before you'll find you before, and this is where I'll 33 to 39, you're going to see this shifting and this turning. Uh, but in 33, you'll see this kind of pause, uh, before he starts the turn. Uh, and it's this idea, um, that he's trying to forge and bring a connection back to chapters one through 24, uh, in order to remind Ezekiel and his audience of their mutual responsibilities. Um, in verses one through nine of chapter 33 here, you're going to find the role of a prophet as a watchman is kind of communicated. This is what Ezekiel is here to do. Uh, and he's communicating that not just as a reminder to himself, but also to God's people. So they will, um, understand clearly uh, what Ezekiel is doing and hopefully remember in the midst of that, in the midst of that. And then you see in verses 10 to 20, uh, you see this individual responsibility that then Ezekiel communicates. This is now what you are meant to do with this individually. And I think sometimes we think in context of corporately when we read scripture, well, this is the, the people of God, but he actually talks individually as well, like as a follower of God, as a person in God's family, this is your responsibility. And so it's an interesting uniqueness uh, to some of the dialogue that will happen um, in verses 1 through 20. And it breaks down just to set up the remaining section here in, chap- in chapters 34 through 39. Uh, and so, again, we're just continuing the book of Ezekiel. Uh, he's in the aftermath of exile and the aftermath of Babylonian kingdom starting to fall apart and be overcome. Uh, we see this at the end of Jeremiah, the same thing has happened. Um, but that's kind of what to expect this week as we read 33 to 34. And so finally moving into our, uh, I don't know I said finally there, but we're moving Listen, into- I got uh, one more book to highlight, bro. <laughs> but it's a final prophetic book. We'll just go there. Yeah, we can go. This is for the, today. Uh, the penultimate point in the podcast, uh, but we're going to talk about the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel is really, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible, which I, I don't know if we're supposed to have. It's also very that. familiar, I think, for a lot of people who grew up in church. There's yeah. a lot of stories we're going to we're going to remember from the book of Daniel. So the interesting thing with Daniel is it's kind of half narrative um, and then half the prophetic visions of Daniel. Now, no one really talks about the prophetic visions of Daniel. because no, they're not hard. Which, they're not easy to talk about. But listen, next week, we will talk about them. So, uh, but this week, we're actually mostly in the narrative portions of Daniel. And I would say, like, like Aaron said, if you grew up in church, these are some of the most famous stories that you maybe hear growing up. Um, and so in the first, uh, I think it's six chapters of Daniel, it's, uh, we get the Daniel fast, uh, we get Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the fiery furnace, the writing on the wall, and the lion's den. Um, so we're kind of going to go through and just kind of go through each of these really quick, just to kind of remind you. So Daniel fast. Um, if, if you've heard of that today, this is kind of where we get the idea of it from. Uh, but if you remember, Daniel and some other young men are taken into captivity in Babylon, um, and they're told to eat uh, the food that the king presents to them, but some of this food is unclean, um, and so Daniel doesn't want to eat it. Um, and he says, I would, I would rather go, um, essentially, I don't remember exactly how it works out, but I think it's vegetables and water. Yep. Um, there's a couple other things, but that's kind of he's saying, I'm going to eat this. Fruit, vegetables, and water. There you go. Uh, he says, I'm going to eat this. Uh, the servant says, well, no, you're going to get sickly if you eat that. And he says, well, we'll, we'll see. And then over a period of time. Uh, it's probably 21 days. 
I'm just kidding. Just probably something like that. Um, but anyways, uh, the servant comes back. Daniel and his friends are healthier than everyone else. And so it's just kind of this proof that like, you know, God can sustain and we don't need the, uh, we don't need to break God's law in order to do that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream is probably the, I, I shouldn't say the most famous. Lion's Den is probably the most famous. Nebuchadnezzar's dream or the fire is, furnace, they're both hand in hand. Yeah. Is Nebuchadnezzar's dream is my favorite passage of Daniel because it's one of the um This is where Daniel's recognized. Yeah. It's where Daniel's recognized as a prophet, but it's also, I think, one of the most powerful um evidences that God is who he says he is, mm-hmm. and that the Bible is um what it says it is. And so then this actually causes a lot of controversy because of how accurately this prophecy describes the future. Um, a lot of modern scholars will say, well, obviously this book is written um, basically at the point of the Maccabees. So like when Hanukkah is happening and right before the birth of Jesus, they're saying this is when it has to have been written. It couldn't have been written beforehand um, because it's just too accurate. Um, but when you actually look at the language of Daniel, it's saying that when you compare that to the language of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which mm-hmm. were found about that same time, um, Daniel is pretty obviously needing to be dated a few hundred years before because the language is completely different. The details that they have about who's king, all the, basically there's a, there's a ton of internal evidence that Daniel was written when it says that it was written. Um, it doesn't read like one of these books that um, is synonymous or uh, basically written, says it's written by someone which really not. And it's, it's a really powerful thing. But Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. I'm just going to read it here really quick. He wants an interpretation of the dream, but he also says he wants the prophet to tell him what he dreamed and then to tell him the interpretation of it just to kind of prove that this really is from God. And so in Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45, it says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. The image was mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was fine gold, and the chest and arms of silver, and its middle and thighs are bronze. Its legs are of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, the stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on the feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze and silver and the gold, altogether was broken into pieces and became like chaff in the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that was struck in the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king... The King of Kings, who the glory of God in heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule all over them. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom which is inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze shall rule over them. And then there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. Because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. And you, and as you saw the feet and toes, partly of uh, potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you shot, saw the iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. Okay, I'm just going to stop here. I don't want to read the entire thing. So let's, I'm just going to break down how historically this lines up, right? So the king sees a statue. It's made up of these four parts. It's kind of interesting. So... Daniel comes out and says, you are the head. So Babylon, Babylon is the golden head. It says right after that, another kingdom is going to rise and take your kingdom. So what do we see even in Daniel? Well, the Medes and the Persians come, they conquer Babylon and and Persia has control over Israel. And then it says in a third kingdom, which is, which will come 
and conquered after that. Well, what do we see historically? This actually isn't in the Bible. We just know this historically happens is that the Greeks come and they end up conquering under Alexander the Great huge parts of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why his, uh, some historians say that this has to be written during that period when the Greeks have already conquered. Um, but like I said, there's there's a little bit too much internal evidence to suggest that. Um, and then it gets really interesting because it says a fourth kingdom will arise um, and it will be a divided kingdom and partly brittle. So what, so what does that sound like? Well, after Greece, the Roman Empire comes in and it conquers all of those lands. Um, but it is divided, but it's not divided for centuries after Daniel is doing it. In fact, I think it's four, it's, no, it's in the 300s that Rome is actually divided, I believe is the date. I didn't look that up beforehand, so don't quote me, but it's, it's, it's much after all of this happens, much after Jesus is around as well. And so we get the Western and the Eastern empires. It says it was partly brittle, partly strong. The Western empire falls um, I th- in 470, I believe, is the year that the Western empire falls. It's brittle. It breaks apart. But the Eastern empire actually lasts for a long time. And so it's just crazy with when you when you actually look through history, here's what Daniel says. Here has how historically it lines up. It's exactly what Daniel says, that this kingdom comes, this kingdom comes, this next kingdom comes, it's divided, it's partly brittle, it's partly not. And then you see historically how this plays out, not just in Daniel's lifetime, like you do, because you do see the pass from Babylon to Persia in Daniel's lifetime. Yeah. But the rest of this plays out over centuries. And in the book of Daniel, hundreds and hundreds of years before these things happen, we see it written down. It's, it's really just incredible um, as far as uh, prophetic communicating what's going to happen. It's right up there with the messianic prophecies for just being so incredibly accurate with what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, and we won't, I won't focus, focus too much time on all of this because obviously the podcast has already gone pretty long. I think uh, we get the fiery furnace where Nebuchadnezzar apparently doesn't learn his lesson uh, from what just happened. He erects a statue of himself. He asks people to worship it. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not worship it. He throws them into the fiery furnace. God protects them. Uh, when you read that, it's a great story. Uh, the writing on the wall, which is Balthazar, I think is how you pronounce his name, or mm-hmm. Balshazar. Anyway, uh, he's the king of Babylon. Uh, he's having a big party. He calls for Daniel. He's like, you know, what's going on? And then this giant hand comes, writes on the wall. Um, it says, you have been weighed, you have been measured, you have found, been found wanting. Um, I know that because The Knight's Tale is a great movie, and that's what they tell <laughs> the bad guy at the end. So, great line. Um, and then finally, Daniel and the Lion's Den, which is probably the most famous story, um, when the king of Persia, at this point Persia has taken over Babylon, throws Daniel into uh, the Lion's Den. He doesn't really want to, but he's, he's clearly, tricked into it. Yeah, he's kind of tricked into Manipulated. it. Um, but God protects him. God shuts the mouths of the lions, and Daniel spends the night with hungry lions, and he comes out the next day. So great story. Daniel is really just a, it's a great book. The first part that we're reading in uh, this week is a very easy read because it's mostly narrative. Next week, we'll get more into the uh, the prophetic side of it. But yeah, just love Daniel. Excited to be excited to be in it. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, quick little side note. My Wi-Fi at home is called The Lion's Den. So because my last name's Den. But Boom. anyways, uh, Psalm, we're going to read about three Psalms this week. I'm going to highlight real quick for us. Psalm 79. Um, this is a community lament, uh, and the occasion uh, is the a great disaster has fallen upon Jerusalem, uh, and most likely it's referring to the Babylonian destruction that happened, which I think it's fitting to spend a few moments and, and highlight it. Uh, this psalm will recount the violence and, and the impiety of the Gentile conquerors uh, and ask God how long he intends to put up with such things. 
running through the psalm is a recognition that Israel expects to, uh, God to treat them differently than he treats the other nations uh, because of the covenant that he made with them, even though they chose not to live faithfully to that covenant. Uh, the disaster came because Israel did not embrace the covenant in true faith. The psalm confesses that and asks for forgiveness and pledges renewed faithfulness. Um, and I think it's a, a, important to realize um, in our own walks, in our own life, uh, we we can we can see there's potential for destruction if we don't renew our don't don't come with a true faith, don't come with a a, a right understanding and a willingness to, to to lay our lives down as Jesus calls us to. Uh, so I'm going to read the psalm for us real quick, so that way when you read it, you can be reminded of how beautiful my voice is. But it says this: that was a joke. Uh, Psalm 79 verse 1 says, God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, desecrated your holy temple, and turned Jerusalem into ruins. They gave the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky for food, the flesh of your faithful ones to the beasts of the earth. They poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy keep burning like a fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that, that don't acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that don't call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Don't hold past iniquities against us. Let your compassion come to us quickly, for we have become very weak. God of our salvation, help us. For the glory of your name, rescue us and atone for our sins, for your name's sake. Why should the nation, nations ask, where is their God? Before our eyes, let vengeance for, sh- for the shed blood of your servants become known among the nations. Let the groans of the prisoners reach you according to the, your great power. Preserve those condemned to die. Pay back sevenfold to our neighbors the reproach they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. Uh, and again, I think it's just an important, um, I mean, you hear someone in the depths of of this disaster crying out to the Lord. I think the author is Asaph, who's a descendant of Levi. Um, But you just hear this cry out, but at the same time, they understand the hope is in the Lord. And even in, I think it's beautiful because even in their faithlessness, we see throughout scripture, God in his faithfulness meets them and still redeems and calls them his own. And I can't think of a better way to wrap up today's podcast. Sorry, it went a little bit longer um, sorry, I coughed in your ears a couple times there, so <laughs> that wasn't my intention. Uh, but just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our resources at our website, which is grove.church. Um, and also do us a favor, leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening on. It just helps get the word out there and grow this community of people reading the Bible together. And if you're in the States, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.